What's going on, everybody? Mike Mel here. Uh, just want to talk about um, something that uh, surprised me when I saw it. Um, I was doing some research on dot com bubble, doing some correlation stuff, and, and then I came across Warren Buffett's uh, performance during that time period. Um, you know, because obviously he's you know the golden child uh, in terms of stock investor land. So. You know, I wondered how he did during the best bull market of all time. Um, it turns out he did pretty terribly. Um, I say there was a period of that bull market that he did terribly. Um, you know, I started, I started just you know looking to see when, when the S and P and when the Nasdaq broke out. You know, made a one year high after. Uh, after making a one-year low, and I came to um, you know uh, January 1995, um, so I just started the run, you know, hypothetical, you know, thousand-dollar uh, growth uh, from there, uh, and then ran it through a uh, couple years after the top in the Nasdaq. Top in the Nasdaq was March of 2000, so you know it was pretty much steady Eddie through you know 95 through 98. Um, you know, they were all, you know, Buffett, the S&P, and the NASDAQ, pretty much neck and neck. They were doing pretty well. By that time, they had doubled their money. Um, and and then, you know, Buffett started to take, you know, pull away. He started to take off, do pretty well in uh, late 98 into uh, early 99. And then um, probably like first quarter, second quarter 99, um is when the NASDAQ really started to pull up uh, in an upward trajectory, uh, you know, eventually going to its, you know, bubble formation. Um, so around, you know, 99, you know, um, early 99, we had, you know, Buffett and NASDAQ doing um, much better than the S&P. Um, and then over the course of 99 into 2000, um, uh, Buffett used to, but Buffett was rolling over pretty hard. His, you know, his big drawdown came in, you know, from June '98 to March, June '98 to March 2000. Buffett went into a 49% drawdown. Okay, that, you know, pretty nasty. You know, and, and even from that time, at the bottom of his drawdown. Uh, he was still up about a hundred percent from that 1995, our start of the run. Um, but you know, over o- over his drawdown period, that June '98 to March 2000, um, you know, Nasdaq Nasdaq was up 140 percent, and the S and P was up 28. So you know, and at that time, you know, I think the 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 hypothetical growth of of Buffett's uh, Berkshire. Um, at the bottom of his drawdown was about you know a little over a hundred percent, like I said, and the Nasdaq was just just to give you some contact was up over five hundred uh, percent, and the S and P was up a little over three hundred. So Buffett was you know severely behind um, when things were really rocking um, at, at the height of the bubble. And, you know, I'm sure I didn't live, you know, I wasn't, you know, at the time I was 14 years old, or I'd say, I mean, like 16 in the year 2000. Um, and I'm sure he was receiving just a ton of public ridicule and, 
Investors were worried about him. You know, did he lose his edge? Has he lost his touch? Uh, is he getting old? Yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, and Buffett said, you know, very clearly that he wasn't going to touch internet stocks. Like, they're, I don't see value here. Uh, they don't make money. All these things that a, that a astute long-term veteran investor would say. But in the, t- in, in the, in the heat of it, you know, during, during the craze, you know, people don't want to hear that. And they want to hear, you know, well, you know this, is, this is a great bull market. Like, what, what are you doing to make money? You know, and, and, or, or people quickly, you know, bail on him, lose faith in him, and then go try, you know, doing it themselves. You know, you know we, we saw a lot of, a huge influx of day traders during that time because volatility was so high and, you know, the trends were so strong that, you know, doing the simple stupid thing with really no skill um, made you money, and you know, it really wasn't matter. It really didn't matter what you picked, as long as you were in some internet stocks, uh, telecom, whatever, and um, you know, you were doing pretty well. So you know, that happens all the time, where people just get so crazy and they just want to make money all the time. And you know, look, I'm I want to make money all the time too, but it's not it's not the way it goes sometimes. So you know, I I, I don't. Tr- invest like Buffett. I'm not a stock picker or a company picker. I'm not, I don't I don't have that the skill of um picking uh companies at deep value and then holding them and uh, I, I don't have that. I don't have that skill. Um but I admire his discipline. Admire his um adherence to sticking to his guns. He you know, he knows himself. He knows his style. He he has a lot of self-awareness. And you know he doesn't he doesn't care what anyone else is saying about him. He doesn't care that everyone that he was watching, you know, no talent day traders make tons of money um, while he's losing. You know, and it's not like he he was down fifteen percent or you know like or he was flat and the thing was bubbling like he he w- he went in half. Like that's a huge dip. Um, you know and that dip took a couple years. So you know this is a long this is a lot of days in a row of him living with this where you know the the ridicule probably didn't stop for a while it wasn't like you know a short-term blip on the screen and oh it wasn't like eh. you know that was a nasty period where clients were beating down our doors and yelling at us and because we weren't participating in this run but that's not us that's not what we do and you know we're not ever going to do that like if that happens again and there's another bubble, like, you know, right now with, like, Bitcoin or something. Like, he's not chasing Bitcoin. He's not chasing these things. Like, there's always something hot that um, that's out there. And, sure, like, everyone wants to participate. But, but when you stick to a system and you stick to, you know, a strict philosophy, um, likely your philosophy... You know, if you're a veteran, you know, long-term um, investor that's, you know, made it through a lot of good and bad times, like, your strategy has, is not going to be predicated on chasing every little move there is. It's just not, not it. Um, you know, same thing with a baseball hitter. Like, they, they, they're going to sit and wait for their pitch. They'll strike out, you know, two times and, and be, fi- like, be fine with that. But on that third time, you know, uh, they're going to they're gonna wait for their pitch and hopefully get it, and they'll put a big swing on it. So, you know, that's, uh, that's about as good of an analogy as, as I could think of, is that, you know, 
when good hitters go into a slump, they don't, they're not starting to swing at everything. They need to probably even sit around and, and, and watch a whole lot more, probably swing less, you know, just to like kind of see the pitches and, and get into the groove again. Um, same thing for investors if they're in a bad um, in a bad streak. Uh, you know, I don't know if Warren Buffett has a has a you know a coded system like I do, where he can test his methods and stuff, or or whether it's like kind of a, an evolving, um, you know, not so much of a hard coded in rules type of a, of a process. But but whatever it is, he seems to you know be in tune with his way, and and he knows uh, himself, and he knows that. In order for him to do his thing really well, he needs to play it his way. And he needs to accept the fact that sometimes he's going to miss out. Sometimes he's going to underperform. Sometimes he's going to lose money or go in half. You know, that um, is an uncomfortable thing to to try to sell people, sell investors. Because, you know, everyone wants to make money all the time. And, you know, they don't want to do the hard work that it takes to to achieve the results like Buffett or results like other, you know, um, uh, really good investors and traders um, um, that have been trading, you know, for a long time, you know, like that, it's hard to explain it's and it's a lot to, it's a lot to work through. So a lot of people, you know, most managers and most, you know, um, you know, say hedge fund managers and other guys like that would rather just you know, tell you to shut up and go, go to somewhere else, you know, uh, take your business elsewhere or something like that to the effect, uh, you know, depending on probably like how, how wealthy they are. The more wealthy they are, the quicker they're going to tell you to get, get lost. Um, the younger guys may, may try to work with you a little bit more because they want to fight for the business, but, but no matter what, um, people um, are going to demand gains. And uh, I remember I, I read a, a Bloomberg article the other day about... Um, uh, one manager in particular, I think he runs a fund of funds, and he's saying that uh, you know if they have a couple years on a performance uh, versus their index or something like their their investors just won't stick around. And like it, it, you think about that, like that's crazy. Imagine you know it's not the same as like uh, I'll stick with the baseball analogy. It's not the same time span of a hitter you know, going into a slump for two years. Like, if he's in a slump for two years, he's probably on his way out of the sport, um, you know, depending on how bad a slump is. But, you know, slumps in investing happen all the time, and it's, you know, they can go on for a couple of years, just like in this case, Buffett's case, you know, goes on for two years and, and loses half his money. Um, that That is perfectly normal. And, and... You know, depending on the risk, you know, a tolerance that you have, like you know, a fifty percent loss, a twenty percent loss could be could be normal within your risk tolerance. So that's why you like need to know like what's what kind of losses could happen, um, in theory, you know, and then um, you know multiply a little bit beyond that just in case something new happens or something. But you know, things like this happen all the time, and and you know, I. I admire a guy like Buffett to stick with it and I feel you know a lot of the guys in in my space in the uh, trend following CTA space they you know we've been going through a rough period past few years too you know 2013 14 early 2015 were pretty good but um since then it's been you know high correlation a lot of whipsaws markets going down to low vol 
nothing really moving, and people, of course, once again, come out with the articles. We're dead. Trend following's dead. It's too pedestrian of, of a strategy. It's too simple, too stupid. Anyone can do it, so everyone's doing it, and because of that, there's no suckers left, and trend followers are never going to make money ever again. You know, it's, it's hysterical. It's hilarious, um, because literally, y- you can write down what these people say, and every few years or so, five years or something, you can write, you can write the same articles again, and just change the dates, change the names if you want. But it's, it's the same thing over and over again. You know, trend following dies like every other strategy dies uh, periodically. You know, it goes in and out of favor. It, that's what markets are. You know, stocks, like any hedge fund strategy, um, any other investing strategy, um, will go through periods where it sucks. Um, and it, it periods where it dies. You know, the, the stock market went through number, a number of periods where it lost money for a long time and you know pretty much was dead a dead area for for many years you know uh, obviously you know um you know after the depression didn't make a high for another 25 years um uh, i think in the 60s and 70s there was a you know a 10 year period there where it went nowhere and then most recently um in the 2000s uh after this uh, dot com bubble blew um there was a big lull there too a lot of ups and downs but net net zero and you know when you factor in fees and then the the mistakes that people make uh in their investments um you know the index is probably did better than everything you know because it's stuck to its thing you know index has no feelings i guess but you know the the people the traders and investors that are uh, you know buying and holding and stuff like that you know they they probably screwed it up even more so so, you know, back then, were people saying that buy and hold was dead? You know, probably. Um, they'll probably say it again. They're probably, I think they were probably saying it in 2008 and early 2009, too. And then look what happens. You get, a, you get one of the bigger bull markets ever to occur right after it. So, you know, things die and come back to life, you know, all the time. Uh, I think it's, um, it's pointless to, you know, throw a tantrum about it and then you know, abandon the thing, because you likely are, you know, our, our DNA, our, our psychological makeup, you know, w- we're not equipped to, to really make intuitive, um, you know, emotional decisions and have them be the correct thing to do. No, we're, we're, we're probably going to screw it up. And, you know, that's why it might, it might make sense to, you know, invest a little less in, in a lot of things. And that way you can stick to these things through the good and bad. And, I wonder how many people bailed on Buffett, you know, during that period and, and decided to go all in on tech stocks or something like something like that and how they did after the after the the bubble blew. I mean, and just to give you the stats on that, after the bubble burst, uh Buffett gained 80% over the following 2 years. Uh Nasdaq lost 72 and the S&P lost 28. Um that you know, pretty much says it all. So from the 1995 through the end of 2001, um, yeah, I've taken this to February 2002. Um, at the end of that, Buffett's hypothetical 1,000 was almost 3,600. The Nasdaq's was 2,400, and S&P's was 2,300. So 
you know, uh, I don't want to say slow and steady wins the race, but slow, I'd say 100% discipline um, wins the race. Uh, in this case, Buffett's discipline served him well. Um, and I think that's a lesson for a, a lot of a lot of traders that are listening and a lot of investors that do investing with, you know, funds or just do it themselves. Like, you, you, you can't win all the time. And it, it sucks to say that because we believe that, you know, there's so many funds and strategies out there that likely someone's going to be winning at all times. And you always think you can be in them, right? Um, just, you know, like as me as a trader, like I trade a, a huge, big, diversified basket of markets, over 50 markets. And sometimes there's a lot, there's, there's a few winners in there. And it's like, God damn, I wish I had more of that. Or, you know, I wish I had a lot less of these losers. But remember, at the time, you don't know what's going to work and what's not. So you have your system in place of how long you're going to hold on to your loser and, um, and how aggressively you're going to... Um, uh, bet in, into your positions. You know, we can't just be piling into the most recent winners all the time with all of our money. That, that's a that's a very dangerous uh, strategy. So, you know, um, I just wanted to present this little case study here. And I thought it was interesting that Buffett, you know, lost, um, took a big loss during one of the bigger bull markets. And, uh, you know, even he came out ahead when all said and done, and um, I think it's very important for discipline to be part of your game and to really know yourself and to know your your style and your system uh, before you ever get going. Because once you get going, the feelings get going, and once money's on the line, your feelings pump is going to be, whoa boy, pumping, and you're going to need to act logically under pressure. Which I'm sorry, we're, we're not we're not really built for it. We need rules. We need, we need an authority to, to, uh, to follow. And, um, you know, and our authority in this case is, is our rules, our, is our system. Um, because, you know, sure, you may have short periods where you feel like a very rich person. If you're, if you're a person that was riding the NASDAQ in the 2000s, um, late 90s, you know, but how did you do Afterwards, how'd you do before? You know, was that just a, a little blip in time where on paper you were worth a lot of money? Um, how much of the money did you keep? You know, have you repeated that since? You know, are you participating in this bull market? Have you participated in other other big trends and other stocks or something? Uh, those are questions that you need to answer because you can't just use your one period of time, your luck, um, as... Uh, as proof of your quote-unquote skill, you know, don't mistake skill for a bull market, um, don't mistake, you know, an easy gift as you did anything special, sometimes you just get lucky, that's, um, that's how it goes too, so, uh, that's about all I got right now, um, hit you guys up with another episode coming soon, um, as always, have a good one, talk to you.